0: Okay, good morning, grab a seat, grab a seat. If that person took me up on my offer to go to the bathroom and you want their seat, take it now, okay? We're all friends here, we're all friends here. Do you love Jesus? I do too, I do too. We're continuing our series here in the book of, uh, well, we're just bouncing around right now, we're in the book of Acts actually specifically today, but we're looking at this idea that, you know, does God still speak? And so we're in the midst of this series called Unmuted, and uh, as has been mentioned and alluded to previously here this morning, like we believe together as a church that God still speaks. We believe that the Holy Spirit is active; that He is imparting gifts, and that He's He's speaking to us not just as the leadership team, but He's speaking to each and every single one of you individually, in the leadership of your families, in the leadership of your home, wherever it is that you work, wherever it is that you go to school, wherever it is that you you know spend the extra time that you know seems to you know seems to you know just evade you, wherever that God is always speaking, and He's always speaking. And we've taken a look over the last couple of weeks, where we've talked. about, Hey, we understand that there is an unseen, there is an unseen spiritual realm. There is there is a there is a, a, a spiritual sphere that is unseen that we partner together with with the Holy Spirit, that we partner together with with the Godhead, that we partner and 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 we play a role there, where where we uh, we have the chance to to be a part of a place, be a part of a realm that we don't necessarily have access to, that we don't we can't necessarily see, touch, or taste, but we have. The, we have the authority as believers to push back the darkness and to and to you know propel the light the kingdom of heaven forward so we recognize that we've been talking you know last week about the different ways you know as well that, that God chooses to speak to us and how um, you know we don't we don't want to just limit him to merely just you know audible conversation but that we recognize that he speaks to us in, in a variety of different ways last week we looked at how he speaks to us through his word that continually, depending on the season and depending on the situation and, and where it is that you find yourself, that, that, that God's word is just, it's, it, it just speaks to you. That you can read the same scripture, you can read the same chapter, you can read the same verse in a new season or on a different day. And all of a sudden, by way of the Holy Spirit just illuminating something to you, it's, it's just, it nourishes your soul. We talked about how he also speaks from his palette, that we look at creation, that we take a step back and sometimes when we, when we unplug, when we, when we disengage with all the noise and with all the nonsense of this world, we allow creation to speak to us. That scriptures would tell us that when we look towards the heavenlies, that they would declare, that they would exclaim God's glory. And so we too do that. We, we pause and we look at, we look at creation and we, we look around us and we just think of how we're fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image and, 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 and you know, those things they they speak to us that we have this as believers we have this unmuted relationship with God and that he also speaks to us through people That people also come alongside us in a season, uh, you know, or in in a moment with a word of affirmation or encouragement, or perhaps feeling prompted or led by the Spirit to somehow invest themselves into our lives, be that, you know, physically or be that financially or whatever it is. There's these moments where people are sometimes prompted, where people are moved, where they're stirred and and propelled by God's Spirit to invest, to speak into our lives and and to be what it is that's needed and necessary in a specific season that God is looking to communicate and looking to make himself known to us in creative ways and he'll use his creation he'll use the person sitting next to you he'll use the person that's sitting behind you he'll use his word and sometimes he speaks to us directly and that's where we kind of want to go this morning if you have your Bible I want you to turn to Acts chapter 16 Acts chapter 16 we're beginning to read at verse 6 I'm thankful this morning for the people in my life that have been prompted by God to to move and to act and how in doing so, they've illuminated His character and they've they've kind of recalibrated at times my thinking. I think of just several years ago when Kimberly was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. We were totally just blindsided by that as a family. And we were totally just, we we didn't know what to think and we didn't know how to respond. And, you know... uh, Humbly, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know much, if anything, about the disease, and so following diagnosis, we began to, you know, just dive in into the research a little more thoroughly, and I, I caught myself in moments quite scared. And we had Kimberly's neurologist make clear to us that she was the ideal candidate. She was the you know, ideal candidate for a specific treatment, a, a treatment that uh, was, was, was relatively new, um, you know, that cost thousands of dollars, but uh, it would halt the progression and give her the best chance to, to live a, a, you know, a, a, full, a full life in a sense with all the, all the luxuries and, and, and abilities that we'd become accustomed to. And I'll never forget I'll never forget that on December 16th, several years ago, right around noon hour, I picked up the phone as Kim was calling me. I just dropped the last student off from Summit Pacific College at the airport here in Abbotsford and we were headed into Christmas holidays. And our drug company, our our insurance provider at the time, made clear to us that they weren't going to be able to cover any of the treatment whatsoever. What Kim required was actually a series of eight infusions over the course of the year. And these infusions would strip her blood, or strip her body of all of her white blood cells and basically reset her immune system. I don't know if there's any uh, gamers in the house, anybody used to play Nintendo or Super Nintendo. You know when like, the, the cartridge gets dusty, you, and you blow it and you put it back in and then it sometimes works better. That's kind of what we were going with. That was kind of the picture that was sort of painted. And we were really hoping that all of a sudden after that reset that things would, that things would get better. We were devastated and I remember coming home and finding Kim in a state that I never wanted to see her in again, but together we prayed and we just chose to believe that God, you know, that God wanted to do something, that he was gonna that he was that his promise still stands. And honestly, you know, no, four or five hours later, around six o'clock that evening, somebody showed up at our door. They had just called us and asked if it was okay if they were to stop by. And they knocked on our door, and they came with a pledge and a promise from somebody that was willing to pay for all eight treatments in cash. Now, just so you know, those eight treatments actually cost somewhere in the area between twelve dollars and $13,000 each. See, see, I think God, see, what I thought was best... What I thought was best was going to be using the systems that the world had already established. And there's nothing the matter with those systems. There's nothing the matter with that whatsoever. But in that moment, I thought that was best. The way that, I, the way that I saw it, the way that I knew it, the way that I perceived it, I determined that that was what was going to be best. When that didn't happen, because I would put my faith in something other than him, when that didn't happen, I didn't know what to do. But I think God's best sometimes involves the body. I think God's best sometimes involves the body. And so what happened is because of that no at noon hour, it set us up for a better yes that evening. A yes that involved the body of Christ. A yes that actually grafted us into the lives of other families. A yes that actually set us up. That somebody felt in their spirit to do something. And in being obedient, that set us up for success. I want you to know that I believe that the Holy Spirit still speaks. I want you to know that I believe that He speaks through His Word. I believe that He speaks through creation. And I believe that He speaks through His people. But I also believe that He does speak to us directly. That He does speak to you and I. And there's countless examples that we find throughout the New Testament of just that. We think of that moment where Jesus is being baptized and all of a sudden the heavens open. And a voice from heaven exclaims, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. And it was audible. Everybody that was there that day heard it. We think about what took place on the Mount of Transfiguration. And how Jesus and his disciples that he had brought with him, they not only saw, but they heard a voice from heaven. We think of Saul in Acts chapter 9, that moment where he's knocked off his horse and he hears a voice from heaven. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why, why are you doing this? An audible voice to him, something that he heard. Verses later, a man faithful to the Lord named Ananias going about his business in his home, here's his name being called. I believe that there is ample evidence in Scripture in Old Testament and New Testament that could form an adequate theology for you and I to believe that in moments, God does indeed speak to us audibly. But that's not only how he chooses to speak to us. That I think sometimes we have the tendency with things that we read in Scripture to reduce them to formulas, and then we try to put every one of our experiences through that formula. I think of other scenarios like with Zacchaeus, where Jesus tells Zacchaeus, Get down from that tree. I'm coming over to your house for lunch. We don't know what he said at Zacchaeus' house, but we do know that the entire household was saved. And I think that sometimes those details are kept from us as believers. I think those details are kept from us as readers. Because otherwise, many of us as pastors would just adopt that thinking and adopt that formula and just apply it. And that's all that we do. It kind of stifle the creativity. If we found out that Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and had a turkey sandwich and hard-bite potato chips. I love hard-bite potato chips, okay? Turkey sandwich, tomato soup, hard-bite potato chips. That's all we'd ever be eating, because we be convinced, well, I'm going to go to so and so's house. We better have a turkey sandwich, hard bite chips, and tomatoes. I mean, that's not necessarily a bad idea. But we can form doctrines, we can form theologies, we can form ideology. We form, f- we can establish these formulas around these things. Same thing happens when, uh, when the woman who's apparently caught in adultery. What a scandal that whole thing was. Anyways, they're just out to get her and out to get Jesus. But in that moment, we're just told that Jesus all of a sudden begins to write something in the dirt. And I don't know what it was that he wrote, but all of a sudden, all the accusers drop their stones and leave. I kind of picture, picture it like, because he's Jesus and he knows everything, I think he's like writing like sins, you know? And then he's drawing lines and connecting them to the person who's struggling with that thing, you know? I just picture Jesus going, oh, oh, you're here, oh yeah, what about this one, huh? huh? That one's for you. And so all of a sudden, okay, right, okay, good. Oh, we're, you know, I don't, I think because other, we don't, sometimes the details are kept from us. And in the New Testament, in these moments where we hear that the heaven's open or that Jesus speaks or, you know, we don't always have all the details. But I think sometimes we, we, we just, well, I want to know what God's voice sounds like. Scripture would tell us in some portions, we're told that it sounds like thunder. Job mentions that. He makes word, it sounds like thunder. In Ezekiel we're told that it sounds like rushing waters. And then yet in other portions of scripture we're told in 1 Kings that it sounds like a whisper. Sounds like God can't make up his mind to me. I don't know about you. But I think what we need to recognize is that we have a real meaningful and intimate relationship with Jesus. That by God choosing to send his son to die for us, That we were granted access into a place that previously was reserved for only a certain amount of people. And I think just like in any relationship, as you grow in that relationship, the communication gets stronger. Sometimes to the point that you don't even need to say anything. You just know. Does that make sense? For example, if Kimberly Kimberly and I are ever in a situation or ever sitting at a table or we're ever around people... I have the tendency to talk too much. I thought you'd be more surprised. (laughs) And there's a look that Kim can give me that makes very clear that I should probably stop. She doesn't need to use words. I just know that it would be in my best interest to stop talking. I think that as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, I think as we, we grow in this personal and meaningful, intimate relationship with the, with, with the Lord, with the Creator, as creation grows in relationship with Creator, I think sometimes we just know. Sometimes, I don't want you, listen to me if you don't hear anything else this morning, I don't want you to limit God's authority over your life by way of His audibility in your life. I'll say it again. I don't want you to limit God's authority in your life by his audibility in your life. say, well, I just haven't heard from God lately. You know, never calls me back. I just haven't, you know, just need a real... Just need a word from the Lord. No, what you need to do is perhaps spend more time in that presence, in that place that's been paid for, where you can draw near to him so it gets to the point where you can just sense that it's time for you to shut up, where it's time for you to, sorry if there's any kids in the room, shut up's a bad word, but where you can just stop talking and listen. As we grow in the relationship, it becomes a little more easier sometimes to hear him. Acts chapter 16. I've given you lots of time now to get there. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and following, it says this. And they went through the region of Phygaria to Galatia, and Galatia having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Having been forbidden, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysa, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysa, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is really interesting portion where Paul seems to have this desire this unquenchable desire, he wants, he wants to go to Asia. And in two different occasions, in these first few verses in chapter 16, Book of Acts, verses 6, 7, and 8, we're told that he's forbidden. That the Holy Spirit doesn't allow him. That Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus forbids him, won't allow. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to know. I want to know how he knew he wasn't allowed. Like, did Jesus just descend and say, Paul, hey, it's me. <laughs> no. I mean, how much, wouldn't that help? I, I really think I have some good ideas that I, I think really could have spiced this whole thing up a little bit. You know what I mean? I mean, I understand it's perfect and whatever else, but, you know, I just, I, I just want a few more details. I think of moments in my life where, like, hey, God, like, Yes or no? Okay? like just, Can you just, just tell me? In this moment, I think that perhaps, as a reader, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm reading, well, how did he know that he was forbidden? How did he know? We're told that the Spirit would not allow it, that he was not okay with it, that basically the door was shut. But soon after, in this same portion, there's another detail that surfaces. And we're told that Paul... Maybe you know after a moment of frustration. Maybe after he's got done venting to some of his friends, like, I could just—I don't know why he won't let me go. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Do you ever throw? You don't throw tantrums anymore. You're adults. I know, but <laughs> but some of you've thrown them with me, so I know that you. Uh. <laughs> but you know, I just picture—I just picture this moment. Paul's just kind of like, Ugh. And he sits, at, sits down at dinner, and, and all the guys are around. He's like, hey, Paul, you know, what's 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 the matter, you know? And, and I think everybody's probably still like a little bit, like, everybody's a little bit scared of angry Paul, right? Because they're still thinking, you know, Saul, you know, killed everybody, you know? So I just picture, like, everybody just scooches their chairs away from him, you know, because he's angry. He's going to go. He's going to blow. And so in this, hey, Paul, what's he's like, oh, I just, uh, I just want to, I just want to go to Asia. I just want to, I just want to. Like what's? I just want to spread the good news. I just wanna, just wanna share the gospel. Just wanna talk about the things that you know God's done in my life. I just want to share my story. But I just, it just feel like I just can't. I just feel like I can't go yet. I just, I don't know how to explain it. I wish in that moment maybe we had more details. But I want you to know that sometimes it is actually that simple. That it's just kind of like I don't know how to. There's moments where you know, many people would would, would share of this moment of you know, audible, I heard a voice from heaven, and God spoke to me, and, and that's really special. That's, if that's your experience, I think that's beautiful. Again, I think in the relationship that we've established with God, he knows the best way to communicate with us, and he, he knows how he needs to present himself to us in order for us to perhaps hear. Um, but, uh, you know, that's not necessarily everybody's story, but sometimes, you know, sometimes you just have a gut punch. You know, I don't know how else to explain it. We're just like, oh. I just, I don't think I should do that. Or just something, you know, And listen, you've heard the stories where like people will wake up in the middle of the night and they feel as though God's just pressing on them, that they're supposed to cancel their flight and not get on that plane. And sure enough, disaster strikes. And at times the world will just chalk this up to coincidence. But I would actually rather put all the onus on this cosmic power. I'd rather put all the onus on Jesus and say, no, I think that sometimes he just loves us enough to keep us from things. I think that sometimes he speaks to us in these real creative sorts of ways. Sure, sometimes it may be audible and there is enough and ample proof in scripture that we find that, but sometimes he just speaks to us with just a sense or a feeling or a glance or a gaze from across the table letting you know, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you should stop talking. Also in this moment, like I'm alluding to, there's this where Paul all of a sudden, he has a vision and God will speak to us that way as well. That he speaks to us, you know, through prophecy. That he'll he'll speak to us through dreams and and, and through visions. And, And in this moment, in this story, Paul has this vision. He has this vision where there's a man from Macedonia saying, hey, come here. Come to Macedonia. Come and help us. I need you to know that sometimes God tells you no because he's got a far greater Yes. That at all of a sudden noon hour on December 16th, I'm being told no by an insurance company, but by six o'clock, I get a much better yes. I want you to know that in this moment in Acts chapter 16, Paul is wrestling with the no, but by way of this vision, he's affirmed with the greater, and we know what goes on to happen in Macedonia. Eventually, he makes his way to Asia. Eventually, he makes his way into that important and prominent city of Ephesus. We've read the book of Ephesians. We've studied the book of Ephesians here as a church. We under, there was a time for it, but sometimes God just keeps us from things, and in keeping us from things, he keeps right order. I don't want you to reduce the way that God speaks to merely just being a formulaic, formulaic equation. I don't want you to just reduce that to, well, this or it has to look like, sound like, or, or be like. Or I, I want you to know that he speaks to us in a variety of ways. That the way that he speaks to us is by, by virtue of the relationship and as it's been established. That he'll, that he'll share things with you. That, that he'll, he'll, he'll whisper things. Perhaps even through other people. That there's moments of, of, of prophecy, there's moments of visions, there's, there's moments of dreams. But there's also moments where there's just, this, there's just this sensation, there's just this feeling, there's just this tension within that seemingly is pointing us perhaps away from what we thought we were going to do and towards what he's determined is best. I don't think, and we read about it in, in, in Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, we're, we're told not to restrain the Holy Spirit, that we don't want to confine the way that we've determined that God can and will or should choose to speak to us. But I think the key is that we keep listening. I'll say it again. I don't think that we want to Confine. I don't think that we want to restrain. I don't think that we want to quench. I don't think that we want to personally determine the way that we have decided formulatically that God will choose to speak to us. But I think rather best thing for us to do as creation in relationship with creator is just to lean in and to choose to listen. I don't want to reduce God's authority in my life his audibility. But I want to listen. I want to allow others to speak into my life. I want to make way for moments of prophecy. I want to recognize when I have a dream from the Lord. I want to recognize those moments where he's speaking to me through visions. I want to recognize those moments where he's depositing wisdom and knowledge into me to make decisions that are far greater than the, you know, power or, or, or strength that I personally possess. I, I, want to, I want to recognize that the creator is longing for relationship with creation. That's why he sent Jesus to die in the first place. And as has been promised, he's upgraded our operating system. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And by giving us the Holy Spirit, now we have access. Now we can have of communication and the spirit enables us but I want to encourage you to listen and to lean in and if you're going to choose to tell me that you haven't heard from God recently my question to you would be well are you actually taking time to listen to him I think of those moments where because I've decided to lean in and listen I've been I've been so fortunate as to hear God clearly impart something and speak to me not audibly I've never actually heard the audible voice of God myself but I know that I've heard from him we just started at this church Almost three years ago. Can you believe it? And, uh, man, I got to tell you, the Sunday when we were preaching uh, the call, which is code for come to church, preach as best as you possibly can, and then everybody decides if they like you. um, I was was scared, spitless. Like, I was like, oh. And I remember we got uh, like 87% which is like the highest mark that I'd ever got. So that was kind of (laughs) cool. Can I get that on a sheet of paper, put that on the fridge at home? You know, (laughs) I got 87%. But I remember right there in that moment that afternoon that all of a sudden the darkness started to creep in. You don't mind if I'm honest, eh? That's kind of the thing that we like to do around here. I remember that afternoon where all of a sudden I knew that there was roughly about 120 people that had voted. I quickly did the math at 87%. That means there was about 17 people that didn't like me. And that affected me far more than I care to admit. That all of a sudden this insecurity that I thought that I dealt with but I don't know that I'd actually buried fully. or Maybe I had buried it fully. That was the problem. It hadn't been extracted. It began to grow again and as you know with leadership sometimes you have to make decisions i prefer the way that leadership was introduced to me on the schoolyard back at recess where if you were the best at something then you were the captain and you chose your team you know and that's kind of the way that leadership somewhat introduced to us where hey you're good at this you're the leader but in the real world you're forced to make sometimes leadership decisions. I came to realize quite quickly that I liked the idea of leading, but I really preferred to be loved and liked. And so we had to make some difficult choices and we continue to make difficult choices here all the time. Trying to determine what to do and trying our best that we can to listen to God. Trying to lean in and, and look across the table and just get a sense of what it is that he's speaking to us. What it is that we're to do next, what it is that we're to try next, and where it is that we're to go. But in that season, I could come on Sunday and I could do my best and I could do the best that I could throughout the week. And I could meet with you at your house and I could even hold your hand when you were in the hospital. But there was moments in the evening, there was moments where I was alone, where I was, I, I, I was, I was wrestling. I was wrestling with depression. So I started going to counseling. Talk to you guys about that. I started going to counseling and I explained to my counselor, I said, I really think that I'm struggling with the fear of man where the approval of others is just all of a sudden resurfaced and begun to reign supreme in my life again. And I remember a Friday afternoon sitting at home with Kim when we lived together. <laughs> and uh, don't it's not, I, sometimes you make, you make jokes, it makes it, makes it easier. We used to, we'd sit and we'd chat, and Fridays were the best days, because it was our day off, and we'd talk, and, and I remember in this moment of brokenness, I looked at Kimberly, and I'm like, babe, I don't, I've lost my joy. I, I don't know where it's gone. I said, like, I'm, I'm fearful, and I'm frightened, and I'm worried, and I'm concerned, and, and I, I, I just don't feel like myself, and so we're praying together, and, and all these sorts of things, and and that just, began, that just started the framework for me of this quest, to, you, know, you know, how Stella got her groove back and how Clark was going to get his joy back sort of thing. And, and that was my, I was just, okay, what do I need to do? What, how, do I, how do I get it? Do I serve more? Do I, do I, do I, do I uh, you know, preach longer? <laughs> no one says amen. <laughs> do I, what, what do I got to do? You know, what do I got to do? Do I gotta raise my hands higher? Do I worship louder? Do I, what do I, how do I? I remember this beautiful moment, the simplicity, just the home alone again with my wife, where she said, Clark, you just need to choose Jesus. Just choose Jesus. Just lean into Him. Just choose Jesus. So I began to spend intentional, purposeful time in that presence that I've explained. Again, never hearing His audible voice, but allowing Him to speak to me, and allowing Him to minister to me, allowing Him to do these things. You fast-forward a few months later, and I'm starting to feel better. And we get a phone call about April 2018. And we're told, hey, Clark, Kim, there's this little boy in Nigeria. He needs a home. And we've decided that you would be his best fit. Everything is ready. Everything is prepared. We've done all the work on our end. He is able to be adopted, and we want you to be his mom and dad. And we were given his name, Iomide, is his name, A-Y-O-M-I-D-E. We like to call him A-O. And so, I did what any parent would do in that moment. I hopped on Google, and I typed in his name. And when I typed in his name and hit enter, the Lord spoke to me. As I read the first result, Iomide, Nigerian, Yoruba tribe, meaning of name, my joy has come. So, I don't want to limit God's authority to his audibility sure there's plenty of proofs in scripture that he does choose indeed to speak to people that way and if he's chosen to speak to you that way that's amazing but I want you to know there's many avenues that the spirit chooses to speak to us you might even use the internet would you stand with me So what does God's voice sound like? Does it sound like thunder? Does it sound like rushing waters as we read of in Scripture? Or does it sound like a whisper? Each of those definitions come from a different author. Each of those scribed from a different pen. I don't know what God's voice sounds like to you. I don't know how it is that he necessarily chooses to communicate with you. Maybe it's dreams. Maybe it's a vision. Perhaps it's through prophecy. Perhaps it is actually his audible voice. Maybe you've been fortunate enough to experience all. All I know is this, is that when the Savior of the world is longing to get our attention, he'll go to great lengths to do so. And it's a sense. The end result, regardless to the vision, regardless to a dream, regardless to whether it's been this audible voice from heaven split open, and regardless to whether it's been a prophetic word that's been presented to you by a friend or a peer or a pastor, regardless to how it is that it's presented, there is a sensation. There's something that's felt, and it's 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 the longing for action. It's the it's the it's the moment where we're for, to choose to be obedient. To illustrate, let me just finish with this story. My wife is one of the most generous people that you might ever meet, but you'll never know about it. Anytime I want to give something to somebody, I want to sign it so I get a nice big thank you and maybe a shout out on Instagram or something. But Kim's like, no, no, no. (laughs) Pray for me. That whole right hand not knowing with the left hand and all, Kim just... I remember being in school, and I remember people going to their mailboxes, and they'd open up their mailboxes when we were at Summit, and they'd, they'd have, you know, gift cards for things, and they'd have these letters of encouragement, you know, with money attached to them, and you know, because Kim was working full-time over at Swiss Chalet, and so she had a little bit extra sometimes, and, 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 I, and I, they'd be standing there, and they'd be reading these letters, or reading they'd be weeping and crying, and I'd look over their shoulder, because I'm nosy, and so, and, 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 I, and I'd see the handwriting, I'm like, that's, that's my girl. So there's a moment, several summers ago, we were just engaged. Kim had been working for about half the summer at the same camp that we'd met at, same camp that we eventually got married at, we believe in camp, make sure that you come for June 30th, send all the kids to camp, get them married. Now, (laughs) whatever it takes, let's grow this thing. (laughs) Kim was working at camp, she called me one afternoon, I said, Clark, I don't know what this is, but she goes, I'm just feeling right now that I need to give this amount of money to this single mom that I just met. And uh, it was a lot of money. And uh, we were now a part of each other's lives to that level. You know, we're engaged and we're having these conversations. And I said, well, babe, how do you, How do you? She goes, I, just, I just feel, she goes, I, just got this, I just got this feeling that I need to do this. I'm like, all right, if you feel that you need to do it, let's do it. So once her shift was over, later that night, around 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night, she drove into the city of Coburg. Same Scotia Bank that she'd always driven into, same route, same reason, so many times before. And she's driving into the Scotia Bank, she pulls in, she parks her car. As she pulls in and parks her car, she realizes that in an alleyway that she had just previously passed by, that there was a cop car that was there, just parking, just kind of keeping an eye on things. If you know downtown Coburg, it's worth keeping an eye on, things can get crazy. She gets all the money out, she gets back in the car and she starts driving back towards the camp. Kim being the suspicious looking character that she is, the cop car begins to follow her. <laughs> he just screams, just look. one look at Kim Moran, a rebel, you know, he just see it, he just see it. <laughs> she's driving and the cop car is coming up pretty close to her and so she's checking her speed and whatever else. And All of a sudden, the downtown ends, and now we're on to old Highway 2, and there's no lights, and it's whatever, and uh, a cop car turns its lights on. Now, I don't know about you, but from what I understand, if that happens, the custom is that you or I, as a citizen, are to pull the car over, correct? Right. Well, in that moment... Kim knew that she hadn't done anything wrong. That's been a theme in our home for quite some time. (laughs) And as she's pulling the car over, it wasn't an audible voice, but she said, she just, this is what she said, I heard in my spirit. I heard in my spirit, don't you dare pull this car over. All Kim needs is a reason to act crazy. She's going to do it. But she follows the rules for the moment, so she signals, (laughs) just to let the cop know, hey, I'm not listening, signals, comes back onto the road, keeps driving. As she's driving, she's thinking, what am I doing, you know? This is not, you know, all of a sudden, choppered (laughs) overhead, you know, Kim Moran in a white Bronco making her way down the highway, like, (laughs) what is going on? She's like, this is crazy, what am I doing? She starts to pull the car over again, in her spirit, she hears, in her spirit, she feels, don't pull this car over, keep driving. Well now she's driving, adrenaline's going, and she's just driving a little bit faster. Cop car right up on her, you know, sirens going, lights flashing, things are happening, you know, wild and crazy stuff going on in downtown Coburg. And then she's like, this, is what am I, this is the third time, this is insane, I'm in, I'm gonna go to jail, you know. And so she starts to pull, again, in her, don't pull this car, out. she pulls back onto the highway, drives even faster, this time doesn't sit signal at her turn off towards the camp. She just hand, I don't know why she's driving a bus all of a sudden, but she, she hand over, and she hits the corner, and she fished, you know, and the car spins out behind her, and three guys get out of the car, and start shouting obscenities at my wife, as she rips the car down, over, over the train tracks, into the camp. She runs into her room, throws open the door, slams the door shut, and gets on her knees, and starts crying out to Jesus, saying, what on earth just happened? Moments later, there's a Knock on her door, and the person that lives in the room next to her says, Hey, are you okay? She says, Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, okay. She's like, I just, I just woke up, I just had a dream about you. And I, I, in the dream, there were angels that were standing around your car. And I, I don't know what was going, but are, are you okay? Kim began to explain the scenario. They call the police. The police say, you better thank whoever it is that you believe in that you didn't pull that car over. Because there are several cars that are making their way around our city. They have made themselves look like police cars. And they're pulling over young and vulnerable girls, taking advantage of them and doing unexplainable things you better thank whoever it is you believe in that you're still alive i want you to know i want you to know that not only because of scripture but because of my own i want you to know that god still speaks to his kids that if you hear him in your soul if you just sense him in your spirit. If you right now are presently just comfortable with pulling over, but He's telling you to get back in the lane, I want to encourage you this morning to pull back off the shoulder and keep going in the direction that God's calling you. If you just sense this morning that you're supposed to talk to, that you're supposed to pray for someone, that you're supposed to do, that you're supposed to give something, I want to encourage you this morning to know that God, what does His voice sound like? I think His, I think, I think His voice is determined by the recipient. I don't know how it is that God will choose to speak to you I don't know how it might sound like to you I just know that he does want to so can I encourage you to be listening because even in Kim's faithful act of obedience to help that individual out she still came against an obstacle but thank God for his provision and the fact that she's still here church we want to be a church That lives a life that's unmuted I want those stories I want those stories for your life as well too I want you to share moments with us and with one another where you decided to do something that in the natural made no sense but perhaps that's all the indication that we needed to recognize that it wasn't us it was him all along in the natural it made no sense But we're not talking about the natural this morning, we're talking about the supernatural power of God. I'm not talking about your flesh. I'm talking about the Father. I'm not talking about what you can manage and muster in the natural. I'm talking about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that exists in you, that must exude from you. There are people this week that need you to be listening. My encouragement to you is to lean in, lean in listen allow the gut punch listen in your spirit lean in allow the look to come from across the table speak if you're encouraged to speak say nothing if you're encouraged to say nothing don't go if you're not to go wait for the right time to be released and just trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding. in all of your ways acknowledge him and know and know that your path will be made straight